Welcome to the Good Bad Mad podcast, a show that's here to share the ins and outs of creative careers, connecting the aspirational with the experienced, with your host, me, Meg Ellis. My guest this episode is Jessica Ellaby, an actress known for Pennyworth, Lovesick, Benadorm, and many more. I chat with her about what it takes to be an actress in today's world and the ups and downs it brings along the way. Hope you enjoy it. You are. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I was just grabbing some water. Did I leave you hanging forever? No, no, you were fine. I was just... <laughs> like, is she there? Hello. Don't worry. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Keeping busy? Yeah, kind of yes and no. Like, keeping busy, but also trying desperately not to... you know that thing of like making yourself busy just so that you'll kind of feel like you're filling filling the time and I tried that with lockdown one as well where I was like don't like use the the opportunity as well for for rest essentially this podcast is a way for me and by extension anyone who's out there listening and following us to kind of get in the room with like people like yourself and just ask the basic questions that are kind of quite tricky to get the answers to nowadays yeah I think I think I'm gonna think it's a great idea and I don't think there's loads of it around there that sort of sense of um mentorship that's Um, it exactly and I mean without kind of parents in the industry or even just family friends and stuff sometimes it can be quite lonely you know so hugely yeah it's a very sort of solitude um or can be world um particularly because you're your business so yes and it is all kind of about self-motivation and self-promotion and all these kind of cutthroat things that you don't necessarily want to do but you have to do and it's all those things so this this is really why we kind of wanted to talk to someone like yourself who's a proper working actress (laughs) let's put it that way (laughs) you started at bristol old vic theater school is that right yeah, so that was my sort of, um, you know, drama school training, three years. I actually, before I went to Bristol, I went to um, a performing arts school for two years. Oh, amazing. Which one was that? Um, it was called the Arts Educational School, Tring Park. They've since changed the name and <laughs> I don't know what it's called anymore, but it's not called that. It's still there. It's still in yeah. exactly the same place. But um, I went there and mostly because um, I grew up abroad and I kind of... Uh, had always wanted to perform mm. uh, and you know I was very big fish small pond situation and right. I, and I also came from a you know very like academic school and I think um, not that there wasn't you know there was an incredible um, art and drama department which I basically spent my whole life in while I was there yeah. um, you gravitate towards these things, don't you? If you're surrounded by everything else, you're like, hold on for dear life. I think as well, like, I don't know. I remember my dad saying very early on, he was like, you know, do something that you, do something you love because you're a long time working. And that really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I just, you know, I, th- I think you gravitate towards the things that you enjoy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that I didn't enjoy other subjects, but yeah. I definitely gravitated towards, towards those others. Anyway, um, 
but there wasn't, you know, there's not a ma there wasn't a massive um, theatre scene um, or sort of art scene uh, where I grew up in the Middle East in the UAE. Oh, amazing! Yeah, it was. Oh, it was incredible! Like incredible place to grow yeah. up. Yeah, very very different uh, to the place that it is now. Oh, yeah, like, no, I, know. I mean, personally, I grew up in places like Indonesia and Pakistan and all those kind of weird places. So I completely get it. <laughs> also, expat brat. Excellent. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so there wasn't there wasn't a huge um, sort of art scene there, mm. um, and I think you know my parents were really supportive of sort of what whatever you know whatever I wanted to do. So I take um, it they weren't in the industry. No, God mm. no, no. My dad's an engineer, mm -hmm. um, and my mum um, was a hairdresser by trade, and then obviously. Um, was full-time mum for a little bit and then went back to sort of part-time um, hairdressing. Mm -hmm. um, so no, no one, no one really in the industry. Yeah. I, well, I didn't know actually, there is, there is a couple of family members, but mm. I didn't know at that point, I thought it was, you know. Yeah. I didn't, um, anyway, and they were sort of like, well, yeah, of course, you know, do what you want, but maybe, um, maybe go and see if it's really what you want to do. I think the worry was that I'd, go to university, study something for three years and then come out of it and think, oh, I don't, didn't really want to do that. And then I'd sort of be not stuck with a, um, you know, stuck with a degree because I think it's such a transferable skill actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it was more direction. So they were like, well, why don't you, you know, go check it out for a little bit and mm -hmm. see if that is what you want to do or maybe you do want to go down more of an academic route. <laughs> <laughs> they were thinking we're gonna let her have this little phase get it out of her system and then she'll be on on track i think they knew i think it was more um a safety net or a, mm. a just to be sure really so i went i went to the performing arts school and the idea really was that you did your a levels at the same time as you did a vocational course um mm. and i i actually picked musical theater as the as the vocational course mm. most was not because I particularly knew anything about musical theatre at the time, absolutely nothing. But it, it, in terms of like the course syllabus, it looked like it was equally weighted between dance, drama, and right. singing. Yeah, like I don't know, I wanted to perform, but I wasn't really <laughs> sure what it was that I wanted to do. I actually really thought that um, I love sort of movement, and I've always loved to dance, so I, I thought that it was more in that vein I very very quickly found out that I was not good enough to be a professional dancer <laughs> there was a real sort of sink or swim moment I remember being in a dance class just thinking I don't know I don't know what I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and the teacher sort of leaning over as, as we were you know it's just the beginning bit as well where you sort of do this like warm-up and mm. um, and your like body is in various you know different sorts of human pretzel shapes and she just leant over and she was like, you'll never be a dancer if you can't do the splits. I just thought, you know, and I was my, miles off the ground, not even anywhere close. And I was like, I think, I think perhaps that's crushed that dream forever. <laughs> um, I, 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 had a, I had a similar one. I was in a ballet class when I was, I don't know, under 10. And she told me off for talking and I was like, well, if I can't be sociable, I'm off. <laughs> Ended foreseeable dance career. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I did that for uh, two years, and um, I actually didn't end up doing a 
academic A-level at all. Mm. <laughs> I sort of started doing, you know, biology and English literature and drama and kind of dropped to art and performance studies. <laughs> Basically came out with sort of two diplomas in performance. Um, so yeah, did did that for two years and then and then went on to uh, to Bristol or Vic. And I'm very glad that I sort of had the two years. A, to, you know, make it slightly more concrete that I did want to yeah. do acting. That I sort of actually realised that that was my strength. I remember being quite, there was quite a hierarchy system at the school as well, where like, dan- it was like dance, musical theatre, and then like, actors were like at the bottom of the, like if you were an actor, it, it wasn't good, it wasn't good news for anybody. Yeah. Um, and so I remember being crushed, crushed one day when someone was like, you're a really great actor. And I was, you know, you'd be you're like, but I was honestly like, but I want to dance. I want to be in the top dancer. Nothing's um, <laughs> um, changed really, isn't it? Yeah, but I think, uh, I think actually being there, not, yeah, not only did it solidify that that's, you know, acting was definitely what I wanted to do mm. when definitely where my strengths um lay but also I just wouldn't have known about drama schools I just I didn't even know that it was an option I thought you go to university like I didn't I didn't know that I didn't even know drama school was was a thing yeah actually until much later I I, um, auditioned for like musical theatre schools to start off with and it just didn't feel right Hmm. quite it was like this sort of quiet intuition that was like mm, no this is this is not right and I remember I'd got um I'd actually got a scholarship um mm. I remember speaking to my dad and I was like it just doesn't feel doesn't feel right <laughs> and that's when he put me in contact with his cousin Hazel who I didn't I didn't know anybody in the family was mm. um, an actor and so he put me in contact with his cousin, who, yeah, was was a professional actor. I think hoping that she would sort of persuade me to go to to do this course in musical theatre because, yeah. you know, it sort of made sense. Scholarship, uh, okay. <laughs> the exact opposite. She's like, oh, darling, you must follow your heart. And, <laughs> like, proper lovied me into... Um, but it was sound advice because she was right. It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't right for me. Like, I was not meant for musical theatre yeah. at all. And yeah, applied for the drama school, sort of with the help of the drama department. And yeah, ended up at, at Bristol Vic, which was amazing. Yeah, you think it, it did you good, prepared you for what Yeah, I mean, I was a baby, you know, I was like yeah. <laughs> 17. Like, <laughs> I look back on it and I remember, I remember being, um, having a no from Guildhall. So I didn't audition for many drama schools because it was quite late in the day. It yeah. was only uh, three, I think. Yeah, Lambda, Guildhall, Bristol, Old Vic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember Guildhall's feedback. They were like, we thought you were great, but um, I just think you're quite young and, you know, could have some life experience. I remember being like, how dare you? <laughs> so grown up, so experienced. I know, I know. At 17, just thinking I was like an adult. Yeah. And Nana's just saying, oh my God, I was truly a child. Yeah. But it's strange, isn't it? It's like, even though that's completely sound feedback and probably exactly what you needed is more life experience, you're still being funneled into these timelines 
and and schools and application deadlines and all of that you're just like well what do i do <laughs> yeah well exactly and i sort of remember them saying you know you know go away and figure out if it's what you really want to do um i felt like saying but i i, I know i'm telling you i know it is <laughs> um i think i have quite strong instincts and yeah. was like no this is this is the one for me. So Bristol was great. Um, and it, it definitely set me up for what, well, it set me up for some of what was to come. Yeah. I think drama schools are, are great. I also think you don't have to go to drama school. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to go to university. I'm sort of a firm believer that you kind of can't, you can't teach someone to act necessarily. Mm. You can give them the tools to use when things are challenging. Um, and by challenging, I mean, in, in terms of the role, you know, if you're in, if you're in work, yeah. less for when you're out of work. Um, but, you know, challenging when you're, when you're in a role and maybe struggling to find something and you can't, you know, you can't quite get into it. There's methodology that they would teach. Yeah. I think the voice work that they teach is amazing and, and they're, they're um, quite physical in their, in their practice as well, which is always useful. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, and I really, I love Bristol. Yeah. Very um, so really enjoyed being there um, and made some amazing friends and, you know, have some great memories from it. And I think, I think really what drama school does is it gives you the the showcase in London, it sort of puts you in front of. See, see this is what I was going to ask. So a lot of actors starting out, just finishing their courses, university, whatever it is they've chosen to do, kind of tend to need the same things or believe they need the same things, which is headshots, a showreel, a showcase, and the ultimate goal, which is an agent. Like, would you, kind of agree that they need to tick those boxes? Do you have any kind of other things that you think this is what you should actually be focusing on when you're making that transition from school to work, really? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to uh, give you an alternative, mm -hmm. mostly because I very much kind of went down that like traditional drama school routes, got an agent, but it works. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is you don't necessarily have to poo-poo it, but if if, if if it works, it works. Well, it, do, it does it does work for some people. It also doesn't work for some people. Um, you know, one of my really good friends from drama school classically left without an agent. She's actually the person who's done the best since um, since leaving yeah. uh, my year. But she did eventually get an agent. And I there are ways to get work without an agent I don't know what they are mm. um, <laughs> and I think if it was super easy that we would be doing agents out of a job and they do yeah. work their asses off for you and they are sort of the middle man or woman you know between you and depends what you want to do I guess if mm. if you want to do more screen I think that's probably harder to crack into unless you're making your own work I would definitely mm -hmm. say that that's a way to get into things but that's hard when you're inexperienced as well and you perhaps don't know even where to start or you know you you maybe you know don't have I think it's different if you have a training that that covers stage management um or like production side of it as well so that you understand sound and lighting yeah. um and camera and stuff like that 
but very different if you've just just done acting and you kind of come out of it which I think most most people who not all you know if you went to university that your course might have been slightly more uh, diverse but I think if you've left drama school for example or you've left school and you want to just do the acting bit mm-hmm. you don't have to have the you know the the greatest agent I know there's that sort of pool at the top that everyone's gunning yeah. for and also you know you don't have to be with the same agent forever either yeah. but also you know some people stay with with their agent also for, for the, the entirety of their career because I think what's really important is that you have a good working relationship with that human mm much as anything else you know you want to get on with that person and and kind of be on the same page Mm. um so you know just because you're not with united or curtis brown doesn't doesn't mean that you you have to strive there you know obviously they're incredible agency and um but they're not the be all and end all be all and end all and also you can you can be with bigger agents and and Mm. you know that classic like get lost Mm. um, within that where they have lots of other big clients that they're looking after and you sort of fall by the wayside because you're maybe, you know, at the end of the day, it's a business and they, you might not be getting the work or might not be bringing in the money in the same way. So it, you're perhaps not their point of focus in the same way. So, I've, you know, I've also had, I've had friends who've moved to bigger agencies yeah. thinking, this is it. <laughs> feeling like you're moving up a rung yeah. of a ladder, but the... I think the thing that I've learned about this job is that there ain't no ladder. Like mm. someone said to me the other day, I'm trying to think who it is. They were like, it's not, it's not climbing up a ladder, it's snakes and ladders. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh yes, because it is sometimes you're like at the top of the board and then you fall down a little snake, a snake hole and you're back at square, or you feel like you're back at square one again. So yeah. I, you know, I think, I think that's really, um, an important myth to dispel as well that it's not like a normal job where there's a, a definitive like career trajectory where you, yeah. you well I'm gonna then I'm gonna do this and then that's gonna move me up to this and then this will happen afterwards there's no sort of like promotion like there yeah. is in, in normal jobs it kind of just it's a squiggly career path very <laughs> think of it. yeah <laughs> Yeah, 100%. So how how were those kind of first steps leaving drama school? You signed a deal with an agent and then did they kind of start just sending you out to roles? Was it as simple as that? Or did you kind of sit down and go, well, this is kind of the stuff I want to go for? Do you have that kind of conversation? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, well, I don't know about anyone else, but I think you sort of leave drama school so green and mm-hmm. Well, I was anyway, so young, so green, so like wide eyed, not only it, I felt, I, you know, I, I felt really like <laughs> that, that sort of, I can only um, equate it to that feeling when you're a kid and you're learning to ride a bike mm-hmm. without your stabilizers mm-hmm. and whoever, you know, helps you learn to ride the bike, parents, older sibling, who's like, pushing you mm. you think they're holding on and you're pedaling away and all of a sudden you look back and you're like oh my god I'm doing it on my own that's sort of how I felt when I came to London to be an yeah. actor. um I was a bit like oh my god look I'm a real actor everyone <laughs> and um 
And so I think I just was so chuffed that I was doing, sort of like living the dream a bit. I felt, you know, there aren't, I felt very, very lucky to be doing what I love for a job. Like that, mm. that, was, that's, that was what I was going to do and someone was going to pay me to do it. That just like blew my mind. <laughs> um, so no, I think I was just chuffed I got an agent mm-hmm. and thrilled I left drama school. And also this, um, I'd never, like Bristol obviously, you know, is a city and I'd, grew up, I'd grown up in a city, but they were very, you know, I feel like Bristol's quite still, rural and yeah. I had that, like a sort of small there you know where I was living it was it felt like a, a much smaller sort of village and where I grew up was you know there was a beach there so it just felt a lot more like laid back London is the law unto itself so I felt mm. that was I was quite amazed just by being in London and getting used to that onslaught mm. of well you'll know you just well, it's just a big transition yes yeah, it's, it's intense it's really intense I still find it a very intense city. Mm. No, I didn't have a sit down conversation with them and say, this is sort of what I want to do. And to be honest, I don't think many people do that. Yeah. Well, it's never been for me offered. Mm. I've had conversations with, you know, my, my now agent since about things that I would like to do or more really it's stuff that you don't want to do. Okay. And I think, that's an ongoing dialogue that maybe you they get a flavor for when you know the phone rings yeah and oh hi jess um we've got a meeting for you and kind of explain the role and they explain what the job is and instead of being like oh brilliant oh my gosh so exciting you're a little bit more despondent and uh, (laughs) okay all right um okay which is generally the sort of first uh, indication that maybe that's not what you need. Yeah. With age as well, I've, I've kind of been less, sort of a bit scared to, you know, agent, I feel like comes with this kind of Ari Gold, uh, mm. you know, terrifying tag to it, nice. that it, they feel maybe um, less approachable. And they were very approachable, um, mm. definitely. Know, both both agents have been yeah. um but kind of putting forwards what what you want um has taken me a long uh, a much longer time to to come mm. around to. so yeah I think I think really I I left drama school got an agent and then yeah they just started submitting me for things and because mm. I've been to theatre or yeah okay. because I've been to Bristol it um you have quite it's quite like a classical training which basically means lots of theatre but yeah it was mostly theatre to start off with mm. it was a real long time before I did any screen even auditions was that ultimately what you wanted to do was um, to screen I sort of wanted to do it all really and I still kind of feel that way. Yeah. I've still not done any radio and that's still something I'd really like to do. But I, when I left, I was really like, I'd really like to explore every part or every, you know, every job that is a possibility for this. Yeah. yeah. I did more theatre, but I think that was maybe what my agent could get me at the time. I think it's much harder to get your foot in the door with particularly like bigger film and TV productions. Uh, and then I think I got lucky a couple of times. I also did some really, really shit. Sorry, can I swear? Of course you can. Really shit, really shit TV auditions. Like, 
I think back on them. You know, when you put something into your searching something in your email. Yeah. And my old agent, like my first, first ever agent, her name popped up and I just saw the, um, what it you know the tagline for the email and I was like oh my god I remember that audition that was actual career suicide like it was I mean bad, like bad bad <laughs> because I've never auditioned for I've never really had much we had a little bit of screen train like a, a yeah. little, I think there's much more now but you know back in the day we didn't we didn't really have much at all so it, my performance was it was big it was it was not the one. Oh, it's <laughs> making me sweat just thinking about it. Actually, I thought it was. <laughs> Do you still have those panics nowadays? Like you get called in for an audition. Like how long do you have to prepare for these things? Do you have to just feign this absolute confidence that you know what you're doing with this character and that's that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Oscar is like the Oscar-worthy performance is for the bit you know, before you actually do the acting, yeah. just pretending that you're totally fine with everything. Uh, yeah, there's lots of that. Uh, you don't get long is the general uh, answer to that question. Mm. And rarely yeah. now- to Context from what I've heard. You what, sorry? Nor much context to the character or the scene. You just kind of- you no. like you don't want to speak of words and you're like right how do, how do I audition for something that I don't really understand yeah yeah sometimes you do sometimes you get lucky but also sometimes you don't have time you know you might get the script through and it's for the next day mm. um, and you 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 literally don't have time it's either I always learn the script first mm. and then or I'll read the first I'll probably read the first sort of 10 I'm a very slow reader as well. So like 10, 15 pages, mm -hmm. just get into the like rhythm and the feeling of the production, whatever it is, just mm -hmm. to sort of understand the, the way that it's written and the sort of what the writer's trying to convey, but also the, the sort of tone of the piece. Yeah. And then I'll learn the lines or read the scenes and then sort of try to learn the lines. And then once I feel like they're kind of 60, 70% in, um, I'll go back and read a little bit more and try to get to the end. And then I tend to do the kind of test me before bed drill yeah. <laughs> and go over it before I go to sleep because I feel like that's quite a good way of like your brain processing it. Yeah. Magically you wake up and it's in your brain. So there isn't always the time either to, to kind of give it, give it the love actually and the attention that you would as a creative want, want to. Mm. It feels a little bit rushed. But also you have, uh, people complain a lot about self-tapes, about, you know, you, re you rarely go into the room now. Yeah, we have quite um, clever, like, um, pull-down systems now as well, where you have, like, a yeah. sort of a backdrop, like you would do for a photographer's um, yeah. or something, which, uh, yeah, I've seen people, you know, when, when you're on location or something, and they take, take it with them, so they have this entire kit this sort of roll of um of really? well yeah because then you can literally take it anywhere and it mean i mean <laughs> i feel like i should make a you know a, a reel of ridiculous places we've done self-tapes oh my goodness yes and so i think actually like if you can if you can just um 
if you can just have a role and then your yeah. tripod and your camera and you just take that everywhere with you. But otherwise you're, you know, we've been in like hotels, pinning up the sheets, being like, well, that could be a sort of clear backdrop or. The ingenuity of actors. For sure. For this sure. Real. <laughs> Don't tell anyone, but I kind of like it. <laughs> Someone yeah. else had to sign something recently about like, stop self tapes and I was like I quite like not going in because I get a bit nervous and if I'm just doing it at home I can do yeah. it as many times as I want um and you know I'm what? Just... that is true you, you it's not just on the spot so much there's something as well about going back to like the the um onslaughts of London that kind mm. of overwhelming feeling of it yeah um, that you don't have to deal with going into London. Yeah. You know, I feel like actually what, what gets me out of the right auditioning frame of mind is negotiating public transport and negotiating right. maybe, or- um, You're panicking about the actual getting there rather than what you should be doing. <laughs> and then I get there and I suddenly, I'm like, oh God, now I've got, I feel like I've just done the hard work getting it. And now I've, you know, now I've got to generally climb about three flights of stairs. So you're yeah. really up as well. <laughs> and they're like, Jessica, and you're like, <gasps> yes, nothing. I'm feeling very relaxed and ready. Um, so at least if you're in your own home, you can kind of, you know, have a cup yeah. of tea and read it with your other half or your mate, yeah. or was, you know, doing the tape with you. And um, there isn't that added pressure. Do you tend to find it quite exciting quite intriguing or do you find the whole audition process quite just long I've really had to change my tune around um auditions mm. because auditions generally come when you're out of work um I mean some people are lucky enough to be auditioning while they're doing a job I don't okay. think I've ever had that <laughs> it'll come it'll come Everyone's like, oh, are you auditioning for some fun thing? What's, what's next? That question. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm working. Don't ask me that question. What do you mean what's next? Oh, no, we live in the moment in this industry. <laughs> yeah, let me just enjoy this, please. I'm working. <laughs> Basking and working at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, when you're auditioning, you're, you're out of work, which can feel like quite a disheartening time. And, you know, a time where you feel like you need to really pick yourself up. And, mm -hmm. um, and so to get rejection when you're already feeling low can be, can be crap. I mean, this is, I mean, that's touching on quite a large element I find to this industry, which is mental illness. Um, do you find that quite prevalent in your, in your circles? I find I, it's very prevalent in me. I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Um, I do, I do think uh, the industry can have a really uh, ne yeah, negative impact on on your mental health for sure creatives in general are quite sensitive as people mm -hmm. and feel things very deeply and i think it's what makes you a good performer or a good a great artist um but it also means that you know you you feel things yeah uh, i read i read a paper or something the other week um and it said something like 75 percent of those in the creative industries will struggle with mental illness at some point and you're just like that's an astonishing number but um have, have you managed to find some tips and tricks that kind of help you through those those periods yeah and i would say actually that's that's been the biggest sort of 
turning points for me as an actor, but also for, you know, as a, as a human. Yeah. That, because I think that the industry, it can, it can absolutely crush you. It can mm. doze the soul out of you. Um, and I think it will if you're, if you're not careful, particularly if you don't sort of, you know, shoot to, to stardom or fame or whatever that means immediately. Yeah. And because you, you will get knockbacks and you will get rejection. That is just the nature of, mm. of the, that's what it's like. Yeah, tips and tricks. Um, number one, <laughs> don't feel like you're a failure because you have another job. Mm-hmm you have to support yourself first and foremost. You're no good to anybody if you can't pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That's all you're gonna be thinking about. So you have to look after your sort of foundation. Um, and that took me a really long time to realize. And I don't know whether it's because actually most people have second jobs and I don't know whether it's people are pretending that they they don't have to work. So it's almost like a duck, you know, like. yeah gliding on a surface but like paddling underneath and I I think on that note there's somehow become this tendency to kind of shit on people who do have these supporting jobs like I cannot tell you the amount of times I've been in some kind of networking room or even in like a working production where people have made the joke and actors introduce themselves they go oh I'm an actor and the joke is oh what restaurant and you're like not okay to say to somebody <laughs> and they just laugh it off and you're like no 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 <laughs> people i don't know i i get so angry at it because i think people are desperately trying to support themselves support their dreams support their ambitions and people are just stabbing them in the heart <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean that is very unfair to say i'd imagine said by somebody who isn't in the industry or understands it at all Funnily enough, quite well known within the industry. Okay. Mm. <laughs> That's an arsehole, actually. Yes. <laughs> and you get those as well. So, you know, in every walk of life. Um, so, yeah, I think the kind of like a pivotal moment mental health-wise for me, I mean, I, I, I started... Um, my my mum had always taken me to to yoga she's always been quite into sort of like hatha yoga and so I used to go with her when I was younger and when I moved to London and I sort of was struggling with city life there's a studio I still live in the same flat gad and there's a studio around the corner uh, and I just walked past it one day and I decided to go in and mm. I started feeling better um the more I went and it took me a really long time to you know yeah to marry those those two feelings together um and then I had a million jobs I basically have done every side job that you can think of and I think what's what's difficult actually when I say like have a side job is is what you need to support yourself generally sometimes you have a good year and you don't have to do that side job but generally you'll have to do something else to support yourself and that's okay but I think the difficulty comes when you're trying to juggle both things you're living in London so that you can go to the audition so that you can do the job that you want to be doing Mm -hmm. but you don't have the time or the space to prepare or be that actor because you're doing this other job so that you can support yourself to okay. live in the city to do the thing I think that's the most difficult thing and finding a job 
that doesn't make you want to throw yourself in front of a big red bus because you know that's that was the really important lesson and finding jobs where they pay you your worth but mm -hmm. you can also be like I gotta go to an audition yeah um, and that they're okay with that and I was very lucky to have one at a GP surgery that paid me extremely well mm -hmm. um but I a blessing like they looked after me very very well and let me go to auditions but you know I'd get called on my day off because there'd be paperwork that somebody needed you know answers yeah. for or whatever um and I hated it like I, I truly was miserable there like a real a real low yeah and also around a time where I just didn't I didn't work I didn't work for an entire year I didn't audition and I think those lowest moments um spur you to to kind of shuffle things up in hindsight Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't work and it was horrendous. And I thought my career was like well and truly over. I was like, Oh, well, I've obviously, you know, had, had my time, had a good stab at it. And that's, and that's that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided to go and uh, train as a, a yoga teacher. Um, oh, amazing. Something I'd wanted to do for ages. And I'd, that year I'd done a meditation course. So I'd learned to meditate. Um, which just so happened to coincide at this really awful time. And I, you know, I saw something on Instagram where, a, you know, a girl that I followed, um, a chef actually, that I followed, posted something about how she'd been feeling. And it just really resonated with how I'd been feeling. Mm. And she said that she'd learned this technique and it had sort of changed, changed things for her. So I went and did that. And it, that led me to do this yoga teacher training and I you know I went off to India for um just over a month to like fully um immerse do the course over there and I, I really felt like I was going and perhaps I'd never you know act again yeah um, thinking well maybe this is a new career and maybe I've been doing the wrong thing for all this time and I've just been pouring my blood sweat and tears into something terrible mm. and actually what it did was make it, it focused why I want to be an actor, what I love about it, mm. rather than all the fluff around it. Yeah, it grounded you. Yeah, yeah. So rather than the sort of the accolade and, and you know, feeling like you'd achieved something or that you you know you were on that next rung and people were sort of looking at you differently or you, all of that crap that comes with it that mm. self-worth that I was looking for in the job yeah that I was never going to get because something outside of you isn't going to make you yeah a fuller person and it was in that moment that I, well, I just, I started working more. Uh, um, <laughs> I you know what, it's, it's just funny how these things work sometimes. Yeah, but I think also I, I just sort of slightly more realigned why I wanted to do what I, I'd, I'd basically lost sight of why I wanted to be an actor. I'd mm. entirely lost sight of it. And I'd got so caught up in where I thought I should be. And, um, and yeah, and my mental health took a real um, mm. turn there. And I just... I think I'd found something that lit me up in the same way that acting did. Mm. And I, you know, I still teach, I teach four days a week. Oh, um, and, and I think doing something that 
uses the same skill set actually essentially mm -hmm. you're standing up in front of a, a room of people um sort of giving a performance yeah. to a certain extent and you have a little bit more creative control over it because you get to plan a sequence and a playlist and less so now but you ordinarily get to go into a space and sort of create an atmosphere mm. and people walk in feeling one thing and they leave feeling another thing and they've got various mm. things to think about along the way and I was like oh this is this is the same job basically but it's not about me it's yeah. about somebody else it's yeah. about people being of service and I think as soon as you switch that and going back to what you were saying about auditioning, it then made me come back and be like excited about the possibility of mm. audition. So they now come in and I'm like, lovely. I get to sit down and read a script potentially, mm. or at least read, you know, a, a couple of scenes written by another creative. And then I get to do some make-believe and yeah. you know, have fun with it find this character have fun with it I think it it, it can become so ploddy <laughs> but I think I think this is why a lot of people from just my outside perspective why a lot of people struggle with it is because you go into acting as a game right as, as children as at school you go in you have fun you can express <laughs> yourself and it's all about enjoyment and yeah. then you get into this like more technical stuff of how to be an actor, how method and all of that. And then you go out and suddenly it becomes a job. Suddenly you've got to think about things outside of the fun and the games and the, the playing around and the creativity. You've got to think about how do I make money? Mm -hmm. How do I make a name? All of these things. And I think that complete transition affects a lot of people with like very slowly because no one really kind of talks about it so much. So you became a yogi. Yeah. Um, did you have that kind of moment when you started kind of getting regular work where you were like, oh, this is a fabulous job? Yeah, of course. Like it's, it's the best when you're working, it's the yeah. best job in the world. It's amazing. There's a saying that you, I can't remember who said it, a famous actor that the, the work is the, the being unemployed bit. That's the hard work. You do the acting bit for free. Yeah. And I remember hearing that and thinking, ain't that the truth? <laughs> hard work is the bolstering yourself and, and keeping active and, and keeping yourself sort of buoyant and, um, and, and ready, like match fit for what's to come. And that can, that, that's, that's the hard work. That's the hard bit. Um, because also you get out of practice, you know, yeah. you, you get an audition through and you've maybe not had one in three months and you're like, oh, I can't remember how to do this. <laughs> and you're like, I can't remember what all these people do. Yeah. <laughs> so this is it. You, you've done your audition, you get the role, we're here, you celebrate. You turn up first day on set. What's, what's that like? What's that process like? So like, for instance, on Pennyworth, I'm assuming that's quite a, a difference in terms of budget and chaos. Yeah. And yeah, Pennyworth <laughs> is fucking terrifying. <laughs> and also, and also, because um, it was only the pilot, I, we didn't know that the series had, had, had been greenlit. Okay. Uh, and when I auditioned for it, it was also self-tape, 
Um, and it was honestly the quickest turnaround ever. I think my agent called me that morning at about 10 mm. and said, uh, hi Jess, yeah, we've got this role for you. Um, oh, well, it's, uh, it's just one, it was just before Christmas. So it was um, November and I just finished a job and didn't think that I was going to work before Christmas, that classic yeah. game um, where I was like, well, I'm probably not going to work till spring. So I got this through and he was like, you know, it's only one episode and it's only one scene really, but it's with the main character and, you know, it's middle November. So I was just like, yeah, go on then. He's like, yeah, it's got to be in by midday. Okay. Today? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. So sort of scratching around the house, you know, listening to the Queen's speech to sort of try and get my head around. At least you've got lots of inspiration to pull your character from. <laughs> well, not actually. There's not lots of, um, not of her young. There's hardly anything televised of her. Only Claire Foy. No, 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 of just the young queen. Oh, you mean Claire Foy. <laughs> if you did that, then you're doing an impression of an impression. Yes. You know, it's sort of like Chinese whispers. Yeah. I would not to watch, I mean, obviously I'd watch Japan by the time I'd got it, but um, anyway, so I, yes, got the role, turned mm. up to set, but I only thought it was going to be that one scene, that one episode. Mm. Um, so it felt, and I think those are the hardest jobs where you're just a day player. You're not a series regular. Right. You don't know, um, you, you, you sort of don't have enough time to like get to know anybody or make, make friends or, so I sort of just rocked up. Um, and was put in this, you know, <laughs> incredible costume <laughs> and then shown into this incredible room. I'm trying to think where we filmed now. I feel like it was like Hatfield House or what, some big stately home. Yeah. And it was that, it's, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's in this like big, long um, hall, basically, mm. in this huge red carpet. And there's like a throne at the end of it and all these like oil paintings. That was your first scene. <laughs> that was my first scene. That was my like first scene. I have arrived. <laughs> and I was just like, fucking hell. This is really intense. This is really intense. And also it felt quite, um, like obviously, you know, even writers are um, English and producer and stuff like that. But it just, there was just a sort of air of feeling a bit more American and a bit more, because you're, um, because also I'd been to, you know, you'd been to the studios for fittings and stuff like that. So you, yeah. you feel like you're on this lot and yeah. So yeah, it was, it was really terrifying actually. <laughs> Did you have like a really favorite moment filming season one? Was there just a moment where you're like, oh, this is epic. The sort of end scene where there's been a huge explosion and Alfie sort of, carries the limp body of the queen <laughs> i also didn't know by the way if i was dead or not like i had no idea if it was you had no idea yeah no idea i just kept thinking oh god please don't have killed me off it like read the last the last line of the script was healthy carries the limp body of the queen from the burning remains and i was like oh my god they've killed me <laughs> um how do you film that though you're like i'm just gonna be dead yeah. You just have to try and not breathe? Yeah, yeah. Bless Jack as well, like, carrying me. <laughs> because I just, you know, normally when someone's carrying you, sort of, you're holding on a little yeah. bit or taking some of your own body weight. 
they were like, yeah, just more like limp, like you're literally <laughs> out of his grip. And he was like this. He was like, sorry, Jess, you're not, you're not that heavy. <laughs> Um, and having, I sort of got a really sore neck actually because you sort of have, uh, you have yeah, to like, yeah. <laughs> completely go, just let all the chins arrive. Um, <laughs> that was quite cool, the ending of that. Um, and then you finally get the phone call saying you're back, you're like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you sort of always hope and pray, but, uh, and then obviously we went into lockdown and, and then stuff, you know, really shifted and changed because of COVID. And did, did you end up filming with like the new COVID regulations and stuff? Oh, yeah, we went back um, and filmed the end of it. I think it really, well, because we don't read the scripts, I've no idea um, how it changed things. I did sort of mm -hmm. have a very brief chat with our producer who was like, you know, we've had to curtail lots of storylines and you know, stuff hasn't gone the way that we wanted to. So just in case you thought, you know, we, we were writing you out or anything. Um, so there's definitely been, um, I think some shifts in, in, yeah. like, you wouldn't know it. Like you wouldn't, to watch any of it back or they've done an, an incredible you, job. You had to quarantine and then bubble or did you have to do the whole two meters apart? Yeah, so you, you had to quarantine for, well, three days before you went back on set, so on your own, or they'd put you in a hotel, mm. um, and then and you'd have two COVID tests, one on the first day and one 24 hours before you went in, and if they both came back negative, you'd go on set. Mm. This is just for their insurance, like quarantine yeah. rules. I know that other productions do it differently. Um, and then you have a mask on the entire time. So you have like hair and makeup and then you put a mask on over the top. You're like, I'm so sorry, <laughs> put a mask on over the top. Um, and then in between, so rehearsal, you'd rehearse with a mask. That was weird, that was really weird. And then when you shoot, somebody would be responsible for when they'd call cut, mm. um, you know, if, uh, one of the runners would, rush in and have like a little sort of utility bag with with all of the jiffy bags that your mask would go into so you'd have a personally labeled little jiffy bag and you we had like protocols for taking off masks so you could only use the the string and the thing and put it in and then zip it up and then hand sanitizer or oh, hand sanitizer before sorry i missed that stage and then hand sanitizer afterwards the new um i guess the new ways of things change the atmosphere of filming or was it quite similar just hidden under a mask um i think people got used to it i think you know i would definitely say from you know from from covid and all the lockdowns that it's made me realize like how resilient and adaptable we are mm. just as a human race i think people we've all got very used to just doing things differently all of a yeah. sudden um, I, I think I think it's amazing. I think people have realised that they don't just have to stick to one thing. Yeah. So I think I think people got used to it. It was definitely odd at the start, and yeah, it definitely changed the atmosphere because you're you're having to keep a distance, and also you're the sort of actors are kept together, and the crew is sort of kept together. Mm. So there isn't that like camaraderie and that community kind of feel of you know you they shout cut and you know you may be 
stay on set because they're not they're just swinging a lens or something it's not something and they're bringing in you know the second team so you know you'd maybe speak to camera operator or you know made it a little bit more formal this time around which just means that you're sort of ushered off into your own you're just sort of very much kept within the actors which going back to what you were saying at at the start of this conversation means that you're even more insular within your yeah working group so that you know all the sparks will probably be kept together and all of sand will be all kept together and yeah. or, you know maybe some crossover and crew but then makeup are all together and um so there's there's less of that and I you know I find sort of fascinating being on set and maybe mm. it's more from you know from starting to make my own stuff as well I sort of just want to know what's going on I'm like oh what's that why are you, you know what it is the best bit personally I think about being on set just chatting to everyone and going what are you doing <laughs> because I'm sort of fascinated by other you know their their roles yeah and and how it all comes together and you know things like sound uh things like lighting where I just don't have a clue what's happening I I still think they're somewhat magicians because they are are actual (laughs) wizards sorcerers not a clue what they're doing not a clue do you do you think you've got any any kind of other little tidbits or advice that you think someone following in your footsteps might might need to know? Down to even like highlighting scripts in a certain way as they come in or like little process details that they don't necessarily teach you but have been crucial to your process. I mean, I, th- I would say find like, this isn't a get out of jail free card, like f- find your own process because everybody's is so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and what works for you might not work for somebody else. I mean, I'm, I'm married to an actor and the way that we prepare is mm-hmm. polar opposite, like polar opposite. Really? And when we first got together, when we first lived together, actually, because I feel like that's when you, you really see the inner working of the other person. I was just like, God, maybe I'm doing it all wrong. Maybe this is, maybe I've been, maybe this isn't, my process is all, all wrong. And I started sort of trying out his process. Not, not for me, not, not. How do they compare? Um, I, I really take my time or I like to, if I, if I have the time, um, as we, as we talked about earlier, if, if I have the time, um, I pour over the script and write out every little detail. I'll do like a character study, you know, where I'll sit down and I'll go through the whole script and write down the like, what she says about herself, what she says about other people, what other people say about her. And, you know, sort of- actioning? Um, I sometimes do actioning. I think I do actioning more in my head. Mm-hmm. Very rarely, I mean, I'm just looking at my bookshelf now as we speak. Very rarely do I get the like action book out and, oh. and, and write stuff. If I'm struggling, if I'm struggling to, to prep something and I just think like, oh, I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm doing. I yeah, I don't know where she's coming from. What, what's, what's my motivation? Then I might get the action book out. And, um, but yeah, I do stuff like that. I, um, I spend a really long time on um, on dialects. I love accents. Um, so I have an amazing dialect coach. So if it's, you know, I often get lots of accent work through as well, I think because of that. I love walking around with it, go for a run, yeah. chatting away to myself, 
lunatic. Sometimes I'll go to the supermarket, not my local supermarket, because they all know me in there, and they'd be like, she has finely cracked, like, random supermarket um, that, you know, I would never normally shop in, but is within walking distance, mm -hmm. and I might chat to them and the accent I'm trying to do and see if I get away with it. To be honest, everyone's probably walk just out the <laughs> So sometimes I do that. Um, I, love I just love I love a prep. Mm. I want to do all all of the prep possible. I really, ideally, really, I'd like about two weeks to like just really get into character. Yeah. Um, you're fit. You're trained. Like, <laughs> yeah, Nick is like the opposite. He, sorry, that's my husband. He he wants. He will. A. He's got like a photographic memory, so he looks at the lines and they're in. Oh, drives me <laughs> insane. Drives me insane. Um, and he's much more, um, and this is just the difference between us as humans, I think, as well. He's much more like cerebral. He'll he'll sort of like work it out more in his head and figure figure it out from from that way. And I basically want to like you know do an interpretive dance, <laughs> and he's up there and I'm down here, um, <laughs> in a nutshell. So yeah, I think find find the method that works for you. Um, be kind to yourself. I think that is what I would impart to somebody starting out. Mm -hmm. Be kind to yourself. Find something that looks after your mental health, whatever that is for you. Um, whether it's, you know, making sure that you get out in nature once a day or you learn some breathing techniques or you learn to meditate or you do some yoga or Tai Chi or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Move your body. Body equals endorphins. <laughs> endorphins. <laughs> it's free take it what's that legally blonde quote um endorphins make you happy and happy people just don't kill their husbands i love it yes um i would say that's my biggest advice don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to um look like you don't know what you're doing I remember a drama teacher saying that to me before i left drama school he was like, you're only young and inexperienced once, so use it to your advantage. If you don't know what something means, ask. Yeah. And that was really useful. Don't, yeah, don't feel like you're, 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 you're worthy, even if you're not working or even if you don't understand or know something. Yeah. Um, and then I would say do, do a couple of things a day that are related in some way to the industry even if it's like read a couple of pages of a play or i don't know sing a song just whatever it might be just to keep your toe mm. yeah just to keep dipping your toe in because otherwise you know six months can go by and you can feel like you feel like you're not maybe an actor you know you feel like you're whatever your other job is a receptionist or a waiter or a you know, yeah. PT or a children's entertainer, you feel like that's your job. Um, so I think it's, yeah, just do, do a little something every day um, that is related to acting, being an actor. I think that is wonderful advice. <laughs> People will take that well and truly on board. Yeah, well, I hope so. hope it's useful. No, 100%. And thank you so much. You've been an absolute star. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a treat. I feel like I've just had a catch up with an old pal for an afternoon. <laughs> no, that's the end we go for. I, do, I don't tend to do formal. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Bad Mad podcast. Please subscribe to check out the next episode or leave a review if you liked it. You can find us on Instagram at goodbadmad or at goodbadmad.com for additional resources and information. See you next time.